Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for today, and I thank you for this opportunity, God, and I just pray, Father, that you would be with each and every one of us, God, as we just prepare to enter this time, Father, that we would be focused on you, Father, that um, there would be no distractions, God, that we would uh, just be open to hear what you would have for us today, God, that we would, um, Father, just come ready to to receive from you, God, that you would prepare our hearts even now, Father, that we would put everything else aside, God, and um, we would be excited, Father, to enter into your presence, Lord, and uh, Father, so we thank you for this opportunity that we would not take it for granted, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Most holy. 
worship you in brokenness, oh God. I'll pour all my love on you, my whole life, oh God. It belongs to you. That's why I worship you. I'm completely, I'm completely, completely, completely unashamed. And I give you my
I recognize that you're my forever. Could you hold me a little longer? I get so lonely now and
Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Father, we thank you that your mercies are new every morning. We thank you, God, that your love endures forever. We lift up Norma to you this day, God, as she is traveling home. We pray, God, that you would continue to strengthen her. God, that she would continue to be encouraged. We thank you, Father, that she would arrive home safely. We thank you for her and her team and for the seed that has been sown in the area of this world. We thank you for the harvest that would come forth. Thank you for the lives that would be changed. All because of Jesus. Father, for truly there is no one like you. For you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the great I am. And I pray, God, as we are gathered this morning, that, God, we would be encouraged to know that we are in your presence. We thank you, Father, for True Freedom Fellowship and for the ten years that you've given us, and we look forward to the many years ahead. But I pray, God, as we look forward, Father, that we would trust in you, Lord, above all, we will put aside um, ourselves and throw off the sin that so easily entangles us, God, that we would be effective harvesters in your harvest. We thank you, Father, for calling us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. We thank you, Father, that you've begun this work in us and that you are faithful to complete it. So I pray, God, as we open your word today, that we would be encouraged to continue to endure, to persevere, to not grow weary in doing good. We know in due time we shall reap a harvest. God, may your name continue to be honored among us. May we continue to seek you above all, Lord, that our lives would glorify you and honor you in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Isaiah chapter 40. We're actually going to take a break from walking through the Bible. And today we're going to look at endurance. And so we've got some scriptures to go through. I want to encourage us, as we're opening up the scriptures, to take these scriptures and go through them this week and really meditate on the word endurance. To persevere. And what does that mean, not only for you individually, but for us collectively as a fellowship, as a family? To do the work of the Lord. And so I want to focus this morning in our opening to really um, gain an understanding of how God comforts us. And that we would also see that He is God and there's no one like Him. And so, if you open up to Isaiah chapter 40, hear these words today. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her that her sad days are gone. And her sins are pardoned. Yes, the Lord has punished her twice over for all of her sins. Listen. It's the voice of someone shouting, Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. 
Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountain hill and hills and strengthen the curves or straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. A voice said, shout. I asked, what should I shout? Shout that people are like the grass. Their beauty fades as quickly as the flowers in the field. The grass withers and the flowers fade beneath the breath of the Lord, and so it is with people. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. O Zion, messenger of good news, shout from the mountaintops. Shout it louder, O Jerusalem. Shout and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward for him as he comes, or with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with her young. Wow. God's comfort. As we've read through these scriptures, we see that God cares and tends to those who belong to him. It goes on here in verse 12, who else has held the oceans in his hands? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. All the wood in Lebanon's forest and all of Lebanon's animals would not be enough to make a burnt offering worthy of our God. The nations of the world are worth nothing to him. In his eyes they count for less than nothing, mere emptiness and froth. To whom can we compare, I'm sorry, to whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold, overlaid with gold and decorated with silver chains? Or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that won't decay and a skilled craftsman to carve an image that won't fall down. Haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God? The words he gave before the world began? Are you so ignorant? 
God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain. He makes his tent from them. He judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. They hardly get started, barely taking root when he blows on them and they wither. The wind carries them off like chaff. chaff. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? asked the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. O Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? O Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men would fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Who can compare to our God? No one. For he is God and God alone. For he has established all of his creation. He has set forth what he has planned to do. And we've been talking about that. The redemption of mankind. The redemption of mankind. You see, God, and I love how we're reminded here that, let me see where it's at. In verse 21, haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God? Listen to this. The words he gave before the world began. My God, you all. This is whom we are gathering to, 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 to grow closer to as a fellowship, to know him more. And not just have the knowledge of God but to apply what we're hearing about the knowledge of God so that others would come to know him. And I want to challenge us to, to endure in, in, in your walk with God, to not grow weary, to not give up, but to know where our strength comes from. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. And that is my prayer for us individually and then corporately that we would find new strength, that we wouldn't live on yesterdays, that we wouldn't live on last years, or we wouldn't live on the years before, but that we would find new strength today, and that we will soar high on wings like eagles, that we will run and not grow weary, and that we will walk and we will not faint, for there is work to be done. There's work to be done. Go to Matthew chapter 24, verse 10. There is work to be done. 
we're encouraged not to grow weary in doing good. We know that our strength comes from the Lord. And so I want to challenge us with having that understanding, with having that knowledge. How are you doing each and every single day drawing upon God's strength? Relying on Him. Seeking Him. Knowing that He will be found. If you seek Him with your whole heart. Not a divided heart. And we've talked a lot about that here throughout the years. We don't want a people who, who are divided with their loyalty. No, we want to be a people who are completely surrendered to God. That we understand that there's work to be done. That He's called us to be effective laborers out in His harvest. How are your lives impacting the lives around you? Because they should be impacting them with the gospel. With the gospel, with the truth of living it out before them. Because we have been people who have been born again. And we're born again of the Spirit. We're not, we're not to remain and abide in the old nature. And every time we see the old nature rise its ugly head, we're to remind it that it's dead. That we don't act upon it. That we don't give in to it. That we grow and we, and we mature and we realize that we are free people. No longer shackled to the past. No longer shackled to the sin that so easily entangles us. But that we are a free people. And the message that we have to carry is that of freedom. Amen. And so are others seeing that within us? Are others experiencing that around us? Do they see something in you? that testifies of, of, of God, the God that we just read about. His majesty, His glory, and that He's called us as His own. Look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 10 through 14. These are Jesus' words. Jesus says, and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But here's the good news. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. These are Jesus' words. He is foretelling the future when he is speaking these words to the disciples. Many will turn away from him and betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. And as I'm reading this, I'm reminded of what we studied a few weeks ago about when we have an understanding that the, the generation in which before the Lord returns is going to be just as wicked as Noah's. People are going to be so consumed with themselves. People are going to be so consumed with rebellion with sin, with living such a selfish life. But that is not the mark of, of, of the people of God. The people of God are not to be marked by, by sin. 
The people of God are to be marked by righteousness, by, by holiness. And it's not a popular message. Jesus himself knows what the generations are going to end up being and what they will become before he returns. He's already aware that many will not follow him. He's already aware that not that many are going to enter into his kingdom because they would rather remain enslaved to themselves, to their sin. Sin is going to run rampant everywhere. Many false teachers are going to rise up on the scene preaching a false gospel. Many people are going to call themselves Christians and they display no fruit of a Christian life, leading others into deception. Oh, we need to awaken to the time that is before us and the time that is coming. If we aren't strengthened in our knowledge of who God is, and then just not having the knowledge but applying it, then what good is it to have it and really not know Him? We end up like the Pharisees. We end up like the Sadducees, having a form, having, having a religious understanding, but no relationship. And that's what I want to challenge us today with. As we're thinking about 10 years of a fellowship, and then the years that are ahead of us, there's work to be done. There's work to be done in our lives, in this fellowship, in order that other lives will be impacted with the truth of God's word. That's what I want to encourage you in. Each and every single day, when you get up, are you drawing your strength from God? Whom are you putting your hope in? For he's the only one, as we read earlier in Isaiah, he's, he's the one who gives us strength to endure. There's work to be done. And in under having that knowledge that there's work to do, Jesus has given us the understanding of what the days are going to be like. But remember the good news he gives us in verse 13. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And in that, even though, and we talked about this verse before, even though he's giving this, this, this insight of what the days, how wicked that they're going to be, even in the midst of wickedness, even in the midst of complete, utter darkness, look what um, verse 14 says. The good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. Then the end will come. You have to ask yourself daily, are you walking in the light? Or are you abiding in darkness? The world is growing darker and darker. And Jesus himself has this understanding and he's making us aware of it. But in that, God's people will do his bidding. God's people will not be consumed by darkness. God's people will not be overtaken by sin. God's people have an understanding that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of God. Amen. Jesus builds his church. Jesus draws people to himself, delivering them from all sin and matters, manners of sin giving them the Holy Spirit to empower them to live godly lives. For who is like him? No one. And yet, he bids us to come. 
He loves us, yet though we're in complete rebellion towards Him. And as I've encouraged us in that drawing us to Himself, He doesn't allow us to remain rebellion. No, when you get a good, clear picture of who He is, you see your need for a Savior, you humbly submit and receive this free gift of salvation. You're born again now of a new nature to live differently in this earth to walk differently, to talk differently, to act differently. Your desires should not be the same. And if you're finding yourself sitting here, 10 years later, still where you were 10 years before, don't beat yourself up. Just awaken to the truth that God is drawing you to himself. He does not desire for us to remain stuck. Or to remain enslaved. Because there's work to be done. You are purposed for this generation. You are purposed. You have breath in your body. You have purpose. And beyond having purpose, you have the eternal God as your Father. Amen. Empowered by His Holy Spirit. You should honor Him. Each and every single day of your life. And know that yet though the world is growing darker. Yet though there's so much clamoring for our attention. Trying to, to, to define us. He has given us what we need to be able to push back. Not be defined by what's trying to, 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 to distort his truth. That we have the truth that sets us free in order to go forth. And to proclare the gospel to all nations. Amen. Giving them hope. Hope. And as you hear what was read from Jesus' words, he who endures to the end, he who endures to the end shall be saved. And I challenged you before, go through the New Testament. Read the letters to the churches. They are warned time and time and time again. Do not fall away. Grow up, mature. Grow up mature in your faith. Why do you think, even in this portion of Scripture, we're warned about the false prophets? But why do you, the, yeah, the false prophets, and why do you think all through Scripture we're warned about these teachers who arise up and begin to distort God's truth, giving people what they want to hear? Because as long as you are given the right to yourself, you're lost. You're lost. No matter how godly you think you are you're lost because as a believer you don't have a right any longer to yourself to yourself you have died to yourself you've been made alive in Christ Jesus knows that this isn't a, a popular message <laughs> but these were the words that were established even before the world was formed. Mankind will always strive to live for themselves. But the end is death. It's death. Do we really, us sitting in this room, do, have we really grasped the understanding of how destructive sin is? And have we really given thought to it? That rebellion that leads to destruction, eternal 
damnation. But God, who is full of love, makes a way that we no longer have to face his wrath. Because his son took it for us. And do we honestly think that by claiming his name, but denying his fame, denying his power, that he's pleased with us? Oh, we must awaken to truth and to reality. When have you felt the conviction that the sin that you so easily fall prey to and give in to and dismiss as if it's nothing, when has the last time you allowed yourself to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit to bring you to your knees? Look what you're doing to him. You are trampling his blood underneath your feet. And that image that I've been given us throughout these years, how can we be comfortable being a people who trample his blood underneath our feet, splash it up upon everyone else, and make it worthless? Make it of no value. To make it of no value. How can we as a people continue to call him Lord, Lord, and not do what he says? And those are Jesus' words. So we have to wake up, you all. There's work to be done. Let's go to John chapter 3. And again, this week we're kind of detouring from our regular study that we're into because this being our 10th year anniversary as a fellowship, I wanted to bring a word to encourage us. And that word is endurance. <laughs> to endure. Uh, to persevere. And it's nothing new. We've talked about it before. Probably many anniversaries. <laughs> As a fellowship. But God has great things for us, you all. We have something so precious here. We have a place that we can come, that we're going to hear God's truth, that we're going to encourage each other. Yes, it may be uncomfortable at times. Yes, you may be tired of hearing, oh, you know, give me something good that I can, you know, shout about. Well, hopefully this is good. Hopefully this, this is the truth that you can shout about. I never want to become a preacher or a pastor that just strokes you and makes you feel good with God's word because that's not what it's about. God's word is to reveal who he is and what he's called us to. And so we see here in John 3.16, and through verse 17. <clears throat> For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And we have focused a lot on that scripture, but I want us to really focus in on verse 17. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save them, but to save the world through him. Listen, you all, we have already understand, and as you're going through the Bible, as you're reading the word, as you're gaining, gaining understanding of God, you already understand the world is judged. The world already stands condemned. Of sin. Jesus, his purpose and his mission was to save the world. 
The world's already condemned. The world is already judged. Sin has already entered in long before. The message of the cross was already established, again, as we already know, before the earth was even formed. This message of reconciliation, this message of, 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 of redeeming mankind, this message and this understanding that God's purpose all along has been to have a people that he will call his own, and in return they will call him their God. A people whom he will call his own, and in return they will call him their God. That they have an understanding that the world is already condemned. The world is already standing in judgment. God's wrath is going to hit this place. But Jesus, but Jesus, his purpose, his mission was the cross to lay his life down. That he endured the wrath that you should have received. No greater love than this, you all, that a man will lay down his life. Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. He didn't come to judge the world. No, he came to save the world through his act of obedience. Great news. You're having troubling and in, 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 you're having trouble enduring, <laughs> walking day by day by faith. Start reflecting on who he is. Remind yourself of who he is. Remind yourself of what he has accomplished for you. The freedom that you have. If you're enslaved today, if you're in torment today, it's because you've chosen it. You've allowed it to become your God. That's not where he would have you to remain. He's beckoning you to come, to get up from that place. Remember how we opened up in Isaiah chapter 40? How he comforts his people, even though he has dealt with them because of their sin. Like he's constantly drawing us. To himself. It's us who push him aside. It's us who choose to remain in charge. And I'll take you just a little time when I need you. But other than that, stay a distance from me. Because I'm going to act how I want to act and be who I want to be and do what I want to do. I want the fill of this earth. And for what? The fill of this earth. Everything that you can possibly think that's going to satisfy you, it's temporal. And we talk a lot about that here. Why would we settle for the temporalness of life and not pursue the righteousness of God? Think about that. Your sin nature is not to be in control of you. The Bible does tell us that the sin and the flesh, they war against each other. But as I have encouraged you all throughout the years, what you feed breeds and what you starve dies. And if you choose not to live by the Spirit, that is your choice. It's not God's fault. It is your choice. You choose this day 
whom you will serve. You choose this day in how you will react. You choose this day who and what you give yourself to. Because whoever and whatever you give yourself to is what lords over you. But God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. You all understand this message. You have a knowledge of it. But the question is, is, are we truly living it? Are you sharing that hope with others? Listen, it's not a popular message. And it's growing harder and harder and harder to share it. Because as we read just a minute ago, the world is growing darker and darker. Yet though it's growing darker, the good news will still be preached until all the earth has heard it. And then finally, he'll return. He's a just God. And he will give everyone the opportunity to hear truth and to know him. Think about that. He will give everyone the opportunity to hear and to know Him, so that when the message of the good news is finally preached to the ends of the earth, and it's His time to return, He is just with the wrath that He is going to inflict upon this earth and upon those who remain in disobedience. Go to John 8, verse 31. Verse 31 through 32, Jesus says, John 8, verse 31, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you you free. So when we're talking about endurance, you cannot endure. You will not be able to persevere if you're not faithful to his teachings. His teachings. That's why you must mature in your faith. You must open up the word of God. You must understand the teachings of Christ. To remain ignorant of them then you remain apart from him. Truly, he says, my true disciples, you will truly be if you remain faithful to my teachings. And look at the reward that we receive by remaining faithful. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Because we've understood that how does he transform us? By the renewing of our mind. By receiving his truth. By before we say a, a word out of our mouth. Before we put our hands to do something. Before we give ourselves to something. We're uh, focusing on him and honoring him. And is this going to honor him? Is this going to bring him glory? Is this going to further his kingdom? If I react this way, if I give to this, if I do this, if I keep thinking this, what good is going to come from it? If 
you're not giving thought to your actions, to your words, if you're not understanding his teachings, you're just going to keep giving to yourself. And you're not growing to endure. I want to challenge you, endure, persevere, get up from your place of complacency, get up from your place of ignorance, and get into God's teachings. Get into his truth, because that's where you will find your freedom. And you will have the zeal and the strength to continue to endure. Go to John 15. Verse 1 through 17. Again, these are Jesus' words. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Listen to what he says here. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love, I have told you these things so that you, look at this, will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and to produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Love each other. Your purpose is to bear fruit. Lasting fruit. Not just showing up to church. Not just hearing the word and doing nothing with it. That's not being a disciple. That's not truly being a Christian. We're hearing scripture that Jesus himself finds it important to reveal to his followers who truly belong to him. Who truly are, are living for him. Whose lives are truly being impacted by his love for them. Jesus' words. Abide in him. Remain in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Oh, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> but to really produce fruit, eternal fruit, 
that honors God, you can't do it in of your own strength because your flesh will never honor God. Your flesh will never wake up and go, today I'm going to honor God. No, the flesh will always drag you back to its vomit and hold your head down and it make you lap it up. Your flesh will always seek out to destroy you and to destroy others around you. Because the flesh only knows how to die. And do we not see what's happening in our generation? How the flesh and sin is just gaining ground. But that doesn't mean that we go along with it. No, we're to resist it. We ultimately have the power of God within us. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the word of God says, is within you if you are a believer. If you truly are a disciple of his, a student of his, you have power to overcome. You have power to be able to stand up for righteousness among the wicked. What great news we have. Abide, remain, be fruitful. That is what he's called you to. That's what he's called me to. That's what he's called us to. Go bear fruit. Go to John 16, verse 33. Again, Jesus' words. I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on the earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Not in this world. Not in meditation and all this other brouhaha that we conjure up to do to try to find peace. Not in substance, not in, not in anything. You're never going to find peace. You're never going to find that wholeness apart from him. Jesus says, the only way those of this earth will know peace is in me. Amen. And isn't it interesting that the very one who offers peace is the very one who is rejected? Just go really, if you're truly a follower of Christ, go talk about Jesus. Go live for him among the wicked. And among the religious. They will hate you. And yet. You have the good news. To give them. You ever ask yourself. Why you find it so hard to live out your Christian life. And why you just give up and give in. And just act like everyone else. It's easier. To live. Lost, darkened, rebellious. But it takes great strength to rise up above that and to live righteously. Remember what we read earlier. Our strength, that strength, that power, that determination, that endurance, that level of endurance and perseverance only comes from God. Only comes from God. But it's so easy to go the way of the wicked. Don't choose that route any longer, you all. Don't choose to go that way any longer. 
peace, true peace can only be found in him. Here on this earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But in the midst of that, take heart, he says. For I have already overcame the world. Jesus has already overcame that which is trying to destroy you. So why continue to give in to its destruction? When he has the victory, your life should be marked out by his victory. That endurance that we have, that level of endurance, that level of perseverance to continue to move forward, to continue to gain ground. Not to retreat, not to run back. And we've talked about that before here throughout the years. We've got to stop gaining ground and then running back and retreating. Stop it. That's the flesh. You are born of the Spirit. Act like that. Live like that. Stop catering to, to the clamor of the world and to others around you trying to pervert your identity. If you're sitting here today and you're calling yourself a true disciple of Jesus, then you must live like one because you're not fooling God. He knows. And he says, in this world you will have trouble. And by God, the world needs to start seeing how Christians handle trouble. Maintain your peace among them so that they see that there's something different in you. That they will know the one who is sustaining you. You're bearing fruit then. Go to Romans chapter 2. Endurance. Romans chapter 2. Verse 4 through 11. And I just want to encourage you all. We have our times on Sundays. We have our times on Wednesday. We have our times on Friday nights. If you need personal one-on-one -on -one times, that can be available as well. Not just with me, but with each other. You need to be in fellowship. You need to be in fellowship. You, you shouldn't let anything hinder that. Again, everything is out there clamoring for your time and for your attention. You've got to start being disciplined. You've got to start saying, wait a minute. I can either continue to go the way of the wicked or I can be a true disciple and go the way of the Lord. A student learning of him. It's vital. It's vital. Listen to what is written here. Chapter 2, verse 4 through 11. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Uh, remember, this letter is written to the church. It's not written to the world. It's not written to the lost. It's written to those sitting in the church. He says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? I know there's a teaching and we love to say, well, we're only human. Well, I'm just always going to sin. But go to 1 John. 1 John teaches that, listen, he says, I write this so that you will not sin. But if you do, remember. Again, it's not about being perfect, 
But we've got to stop making excuses as if what Christ has accomplished didn't work. I want you to really challenge yourself this week. When you go to sin, when you go and you make decisions to rebel, why is it so easy? It shouldn't be because you're a new person now. It's easy because you're remaining ignorant, you're not enduring, you're giving up and you're giving in. And you're discrediting everything that he has done. But must, I pray that you would remember this scripture. Pull it out this week. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, I'm sorry, wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Not keep you in it, not to excuse it, not to pat you on your back and go, oh, poor child of mine, sorry it's so hard for you. No, he's turning you from it. He's reminding you of who he is in his kindness, in his, in his patience towards you. He's not excusing it. No, he's trying to get your attention to turn you to him. He goes on here. But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. What? This is not the lost. They're already punished. They're already judged. It's those who are playing church. Those who are just hanging out among God's people and not really belonging to God. You are stubborn and you refuse to turn from your sin. You are storing up terrible punishment for yourself for a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those, look at this, who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. But he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth, and instead live lives of wickedness. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps doing what is evil. First for the Jew and then for the Gentile. Oh, here's the good news. <laughs> But there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good. For the Jew first and also the Gentile, for God shows no favoritism. Endure. Did you see that there? He will give eternal life for those who just show up on Sunday and do nothing with what they hear. He will give eternal life for those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor, honor and immortality that God offers. Oh, can I challenge us today? How are we doing in seeking those things? Come on, I appeal to all of us. We've got to stop doing wrong. We've got to stop seeking just to satisfy ourselves. We have to mature. We have to grow up. I am concerned. Are you seeking him? He's freely giving. He's not withholding. God is not holding anything back. You freely, you freely 
seek, and he freely gives. You have as much of God as you want of him. I want to challenge us today. How are you enduring? How are you persevering? If you're not, you're going to be overtaken. You're going to be swept away, and you're going to be caught up in wrath. And, and here again, we see, as we've talked many times here over the years, whenever you see God's wrath display, you always see his love. Wherever you see God's love, you always see his wrath. He's the God of wrath, and he's the God of love. He lays out, this is what's going to happen to you if you do not stop. Oh, but, here's the other side of it. If you would just seek me. For those who do good. But there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good. Go to Romans 5, verse 3. Verse 3 through 11. It is written here. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son, while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus has made us friends with God. Wow. We can rejoice when facing trials or problems. They're there to, to equip us. They're there to mold us, to shape us. They're there to reveal still that, that, that wickedness within us. Because we, we respond of ourselves. And when we do, we should repent. It's building our character. It's strengthening us. And our identity that's in Christ. And our hope is, is developed through it. Because our hope is in Christ, and that, that hope would never disappoint us. For far too long, I, I, keep, I keep searching for my circumstances to change. I put my hope there. If my circumstances, sense, my circumstances will change, I, my life will be better. If my finances were different, if, if my relationships were different, if, if this was different, if my past was different, if, if only this would take place, then somehow I would be filled, everything will be okay. No! If you're putting your hope in that, then your hope is hopeless. But when you keep your eyes on Jesus, no matter what's coming my way, I could trust God that you are in control. 
I know you love me, God. Not because I'm good. Not because I've done anything right or, or, or did anything to get your attention. No, all because of Christ. See, you displayed love for me through your son. No greater love. No one will ever love me that way. I didn't, I didn't just, just decide to follow you. No, you chose me. When I was my most wicked, when I was my, in the most terrible rebellion towards you, that's all of us could say this. <laughs> That's what the word just told us. He chose us. So don't deceive yourself into thinking that, oh, I have to be good and do all the good stuff in order to endure. No, you just endure because Christ is good. And in Christ, you are a new creation. In Christ, you're not living like the wicked. You're living like the righteous. You're not finding your hope and, and your circumstances changing. No, you're fine. your hope is already established in Christ. And so then, in your circumstances being what they are, you have to take a good look at yourself and say, what am I contributing to this mess? <laughs> because of my lack of stewardship, because of my lack of discipline, of seeking you. And if I'm contributing it somehow, God, speak to me before you speak to them to change them. No, change me. So many times we're waiting for others to change. And all along, God is waiting for you to change before others can be impacted. Oh, to endure. To continue to, to move forward. To, to, to use that which comes against us to promote us. To build us. To correct us. Not abiding in condemnation and shame and all that weirdness that we do. We all do it. And then we just pull away because oh, we're so unworthy. As if now all of a sudden God says, oh, I don't love you. You've gone too far. No, his love endures forever. That's the lie of the enemy. That's the clamoring of the world trying to destroy your identity that is in Christ. You've got to honor the work in which Christ has done. Because if you don't honor it in your life, no one else is going to. You have got to choose to believe in the one who has saved you. Who has given himself for you. Wow, such great news. Go to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose, His purpose for them. And I know this scripture is a popular scripture that people kind of throw around. Oh, God's going to work it all out for the good. Uh... Not if you're not loving him. <laughs> and not if you have not been called according to his purpose. No, God works all things out for the good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Not for people who remain rebellious. Not for people who continue to just put one foot in and one foot out. No, God works all things out for the good. Because where's the Christian hope? It's in Christ. 
Everything's already good. Everything's already worked out. Again, my hope is not on everything else in my life. I know my hope it has to be in Christ. He works all things out. Listen, we talked about it before. A lot of false religions, a lot of these false teachers, a lot of all these other worldly religions, they use statements from the truth, from God's word, and yet they pervert it. They pervert it. And we've got to be careful because we'll get tripped up and we will not endure on the right path. We will fall away and get caught up in all the craziness that's out there. You've got to be careful. Go to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, and then I'm going to read verse 12. Verse 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living, holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Verse 12. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. And look how you should live. In verse 1 and 2. I'm giving you these scriptures because I want to again encourage you to continue to endure, continue to persevere. Because in doing so, when you won't stop when you when you stop living like the world. what God does. He transforms you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. His perfect and pleasing will for your life. You're going to be challenged when you get up today. If you're not just sitting here already challenged by thinking of what's ahead for you this day. But things are going to come along. And you've got to start asking yourself, am I living for self or am I living for God? There's going to have to be relationships. There's going to have to be things you have got to stop doing. But if I stop, what's going to happen? Oh, God will honor that decision. And he may have to walk you through a season. But trust in this. He is faithful. He is faithful. Who and what are you clinging to that you have replaced God in your life? Because you need to let go of it. And you need to trust God. You need to continue to endure. Go to Romans 15. 1 through 5 and then verse 13. We who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't live to please himself, as the scriptures say, the insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. Such things were written in scriptures long ago to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we patiently wait, or as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. 
May God, who gives this patient and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other as it is fitting for followers of Christ. And then verse 13, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, it is God who gives you the strength and the source of hope that you need. It is God who has revealed to us as his people, as his disciples, are how we are to be living. We're to be living to encourage each other, building each other up, holding each other accountable, and waiting patiently for God to fulfill his promises. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 9 through 11. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or whose worship or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people. None of these people will inherit, I'm saying, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Again, we see this side of wrath. We see this side of the sinful nature. We see lives who are no longer enduring for righteousness and for honoring God. They've gone back to themselves. We see that this is a letter not specifically addressing the issues of the lost and of the world. No, this is a letter written to the church. And he's saying to the church, do you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? And he lists out these, this way of living. And basically, it's listing out sin, that sinful nature, that selfish desire. I'm living my life on my own. I'm doing what I want, how I want it, when I want it. Oh, but the good news. Verse 11. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Some of you were once like that. Isn't it interesting? He didn't say all of you. There are some in the church that are really free. Not everybody is free. Not everybody is living for Jesus. Not everybody is living the path of righteousness. But some of us were once like that, living for themselves. They have an understanding. You have been cleansed. You have been made holy. You are made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Oh, come on, everyone. You can't fool God. If you're not enduring, if you're not on the path of righteousness, you are on the path of wickedness. You are on the path of destruction. There's no in-between. There's no middle ground. Two paths. One is very wide and there's a lot of people on it. The other path is very narrow. Making the right choices, the right decisions to honor God is not popular. You have to ask yourself, y'all, how are you enduring? How are you enduring? Are you honoring God? 
Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. These are great scriptures, and I pray when you get the notes that you go back and don't overwhelm yourself. Just, Just allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in your time of devotion. Let Him draw you back to scriptures that He wants you to see. Listen to this one. Don't you realize, verse 24, that in a race everyone runs, but only, that, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I I myself might be disqualified. Like if I'm not living what I'm preaching, then I'm no different than the wicked. If you're not living what you're preaching, you say, well, I'm not a preacher. No, but you are. If you're a child of God, you are a minister of God to others. You don't need man to slap a title on you. God has already stamped you with his approval. He's already called you out as his own. He's given us the word of God says the ministry of reconciliation. That's what you are. You are a minister of reconciliation. To reconcile others to God by proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. That's all you have for people. When I counsel people, I I I don't have worldly wisdom to give. I can only... Lay forth God's wisdom. What people choose to do with it is up to them. Sometimes we got to stop just getting going along with the world. Because you're no longer a part of the world. You're a part of the kingdom of God and that's how you ought to be living. Look there. Are you running with purpose? I love what he says here. I run with purpose at every step. I know my calling. I know what I am to do. I'm to honor God this day. That's what you should be saying to yourself. I'm getting up with purpose today. I don't care what my situations are, what my circumstances are, what's going to be ahead of me today. One thing I do know for certain is I'm called to honor God today. And with every step that I take, I'm going to be purposeful in that. I will not go the way of the wicked. I will endure to the end. First Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 through 14. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. He will show you a way out. So that you can endure. Temptation will come. Temptation isn't the sin. Sin is when you give in to temptation. 
when you allow the desires that are from within to be acted upon. Just know when things are pressing up against you, things are clamoring for your attention to draw you away from doing good, from drawing you away from remaining on purpose, God makes a way out. You've got to seek Him for that way. And in providing that way, He gives you the strength that's needed to endure. Go to Galatians chapter 6. We're working our way to the back of the book. Hold on. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. So let's get, I'm sorry, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Don't grow weary. Don't give up in doing good. You'll run into a season where you're doing right. You're living and you're, and you're promoting God's kingdom. You're living honorably to God. But it may seem like nothing is working out. Don't give up. Don't give in. Keep doing good. Those are the times where lives really becomes, you're, 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 where you're really challenged. And you know why we're challenged? It's because now we're expecting God just to make everything perfect for our lives. To resolve all the issues. So that we're comfortable here on this earth. That's not what God has promised. The promises of eternity. And when we take our eyes off of eternity and we put them here just in the temporalness of life. And then we say to God, we barter with God. Well, I've been doing this all along, but you haven't done this. You haven't done your part. Oh, we better be very careful. Because look who is still in control. You. Your motives for doing good weren't to honor God. Your motives were doing good was to manipulate God. And you think that you're greater than God? Remember what we read earlier in Isaiah? You're not greater than God. You better test your motives. You better understand. You better look at your heart. But oh, the promise that we have. So let's not grow tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Keep going on, you all. Keep pressing in. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4, verse 6 through 9. And then verse 13. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He does. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we could understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, and pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Look at what you should be thinking upon. Things that are true, things that are honorable, things that are right and pure, lovely and admirable. And look at verse 13 there. For I can do nothing through Christ. I'm sorry, huh? 
For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Again, we see that he is the one who strengthens us to do what is right, to do what is good. This is how we should fix our thoughts. How are you enduring? How are you persevering? There are truths in God's word that lays out this concept for us. We have to see it if we're truly going to experience it. Go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 through 14. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to listen to this. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transformed us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Colossians 2, 1 through 15. Hear the word of the Lord in this encouragement for us. Colossians 2, 1 through 15. I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church in Lady Osea, and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by, by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plans, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am telling you this so no one will deceive you with with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you, and I hope that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. Remember, he's writing to the church. Verse Eight there, and we're going through verse 15. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. You must continue to endure. You must continue to persevere. You must continue to follow Him. Let your roots grow down into Him and let your lives be built on Him. Huh. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from that spiritual powers of the world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in 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 a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. 
It wasn't cut away before Christ. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all of your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Some great news. What great news we have to share with others. Not to continue to live the way we, we want. No, we want to not our roots grow down deep. We want to know the truth because it's in knowing the truth that we are set free. That old nature in Christ has been cut away. That sinful nature is not what to be, is to be ruling over you. You've been given this new nature to live in Christ. Colossians 3. Living the new life. 3, 1 through 17. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, you're sitting here today and you're calling yourself a Christian, and you truly believe that, listen to what this says. Set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. So with this understanding, look at verse 5. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual morality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave, or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy. Listen to what you should be clothing yourself with daily. Kindness. Humility. Gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all of his richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with the wisdom that he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Go to 2 Thessalonians verse, I mean, chapter 3, verse 5.
2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5. May the Lord lead your hearts into a full understanding and expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. Oh, that's a beautiful, beautiful scripture. May the Lord lead your hearts into full understanding and expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. May we pray that for each other. How are you praying for this fellowship? You should be. You should be praying for each other daily. Encouraging each other daily. To continue to grow. To continue to endure. To continue to keep pressing on. Holding each other accountable. Second Timothy. I'm sorry. First Timothy. Chapter 4. Verse 1 and 2. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time, some will turn away from the, from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. Again, God is not fooled. He already knows how mankind is going to respond to Him. He already knows those who belong to Him. He warns us. And listen to this. There's going to be some who's going to turn away from the true faith. And look, they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. That spiritual world, that realm. Remember, we are our war is not with flesh and blood, but it's against the principalities and rulers in the air of the darkness. People are being led astray because they're not enduring any longer. They've grown weary and doing good, and they're only looking out now for themselves. And in so doing, they're going to open themselves up to demonic manifestations and teachings and spiritual levels of, 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 of deceptiveness. And they're going to be damned forever. Careful. Careful. Not to continue to endure. God will not be mocked, y'all. He's given us the truth. He's given us everything we need to live a godly life. You're either for Him or you're against Him. But the, 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 besides, I mean, it's kind of like, wow, you know, when you think about people being led astray because of the, of the of demons, and these demonic teachings, but look what happens. Their conscience has become dead. They become dead. They become hypocrites. They hold a form of religion. And yet they deny God's power. Careful, you all. Careful. Go to chapter 6, verse 11 through 14. First Timothy. But you, Timothy, and, and just put your name there as well. But you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Look at what you should be pursuing. Fight the good fight for the true faith. 
Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you, are, which you confess so well before many witnesses. And I charge you before God, who gives life to all, and before Christ Jesus, who gave a good testimony before Pontius Pilate, that you obey this commandment, I'm sorry, that you obey this command without wavering. Then no one can find fault with you from now until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Continue. Timothy, continue. Put your name there. Are you fighting the good fight, you all? Are you contending out there? It's a way in which we ought to be living. Pursue righteousness and a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Look at the same chapter there, but look at verse 20 through 21. So, Timothy, and again, put your name there, guard what God has entrusted to you. Uh, avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. Some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. May God's grace be with you all. Careful of what you're getting yourself entangled with. Hold fast to truth. Stand up for righteousness. Continue to endure. Hebrews. Chapter 10. A call to persevere. Verse 19 through 39. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty conscience have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another, look at this, to do acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Dear friends, listen to this. If we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that cover these sins. There is only terrible expectations of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Oh, but just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant, which makes us holy, as if it were common and unholy, and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. For we know the one who said, I will take revenge, I will pay them back. He also said, the Lord will judge his own people. Look at verse 31. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember you, how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering? Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten. And sometimes you, were, sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. 
You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail, and when, you, when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew that there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So look at this. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. For just in a little while, the coming one, hallelujah, will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we, again, here's this good news. Look at verse 39. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Go to Hebrews 12. Verse 1 through 13. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off the weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured for sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Wow. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. And you have not forgotten, I'm sorry, and have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, do not make light of, my, of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you, for the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are an illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplines us for a few years, doing the best they know how. But God's discipline is always good for us. Look at this. So that we might share in His holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It is painful. But afterward, look at this. There will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So, take a new grip with your tired hands. This is my encouragement for us as a fellowship, for each of us. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. James, chapter 1, starting at verse 2. I just got a few more after this, and I'll close this out. But dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. 
For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when, you, for, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask Him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is, a, is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls, and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all their achievements. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and He never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down from us to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us His true word. And we, out of all His creation, become His prized possessions. Amen. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are only fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress, and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Endurance, perseverance, there is a way in which we are called to live, you all. Again, God will not be mocked. You know your heart. You know where you're at. You know what you give yourself into. It's time to awaken to truth. It's time to awaken to reality of how He is calling us to live. James 5, verse 7-11. through 11. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Again, enduring, persevering. How should we be living? Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. 
For example, the patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end. For the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. But most of all, my brothers and sisters, I'm sorry, no, I went in there, um, verse 11. Let me read that again. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end. For the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. If you really want a good study on endurance, go study the book of Job. And again, look at the characteristics of our God. He's so tender and He's so merciful. He gives us what we need, you all, to endure. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through 19. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, did you hear this? Instead, this is how you ought to be living. Be very glad for these, for these trials make you partners with Christ in His suffering. So that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing His glory when it is revealed to the world. So be happy when you are insulted for being a Christian. For then the glory Spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, for stealing, for making trouble, or or prying into the other, other people's affairs. But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Your suffering is because you're a Christian. You're not, your suffering is not what you brought on to yourself. <laughs> it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by His name. For the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news? And also, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to the godless sinners? So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right. And trust your lives to God who created you, and He will never fail you. Do you hear that? If you're suffering for the sake of Christ, continue to endure Continue to do what is right. Chapter 5 of verse Peter 6 through 11. So humble yourselves. Under the mighty power of God and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Again, enduring, persevering. How should you be living? Humble yourselves. Verse 8, stay alert. Watch out for the great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever and ever. Amen. Second Peter chapter 3. Verse 3 through 18. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will 
come mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. They deliberately forgot or forget that God made the heavens by the word of his command. And he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. The earth, I'm sorry, they are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promises, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He, doesn't not, he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth as he has promised. A world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. Speaking of the things in all of his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand, but those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of Scripture. And this, and this will result in their destruction. Jude, verse 17 through 23. But you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of the Lord Jesus said. They told you that in the last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. They're sitting in the church, you all. They're calling themselves Christians. And they're living however they want. And they're causing division. Because other people, especially new Christians, who God is, is working on, they see people who are calling themselves Christians who supposedly have lived longer in the faith, doing whatever they want. You are a witness to those who are new in faith. You don't want to be a stumbling block for them. You don't want their blood on your hands because you show them a different way to live. These people are sitting here and Jude is reminding the church to be faithful. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and wait the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ 
who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe in God's love, and you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. And finally, Revelation chapter 3, verse 8, and then verse 10 through 13. I know all the things you do. Yes. I know all the things you do, Jesus' words, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. Look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who, who say they are Jews but are not, to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere. This is Jesus' words. I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one can, will take it away, so no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God. Do you see this? Do you hear this? And they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God. And they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the churches. So much given to us this day. As we come and, and we reflect, I don't know if you even thought about it, but ten years that this fellowship has gathered in this room, people in and out, some lives have changed, some lives haven't. <laughs> but faithful endurance is what we're called to. To continue to do the will of God. To continue to proclaim His truth and His message. Listen, you know where you're at. And I pray to God that we will respond how God would have us to respond. In these days and in this age when things are so chaotic. Listen, we're called to live a holy life. We're called to live in obedience. And so my prayer is for us that, that we would grow, that we would continue to mature, that we would continue to endure. We know what's waging war, raging war against us. But I pray that we would not fall prey to the evil, evil schemes, that we won't fall prey to our flesh, but listen, that we would truly begin to live honorable lives, you all. So be encouraged. You're going to get the notes. All I can do is encourage you. All I can do is continue to bring truth before us. How you respond to it is up to you. But I would just warn us, as we've heard all through Scripture, there's a day that's coming that you'll have to stand before the Lord. You'll have to give an account for how you've lived your life. And your excuses are not going to mean anything to Him. For He has been faithful to reveal Himself to you. 
So how do we need to respond to him in this closing psalm? My prayer is that you would listen to the song, be encouraged, and then I'll close us in prayer.